1: It's about culture now. Isn't Wikipedia already a DAO? Part of politics and part of sports and part of gaming. And it's not just like the future of money anymore.
0: As they push the conversation further with their own criticisms and reactions to the latest Bitcoin and crypto news from around the world. It believes crypto is bad and it wants it out.
1: I'm even old enough to remember when Microsoft was a kind of cool company in Silicon Valley. Ben, you're old enough to remember when telegrams came over a wire under the sea.
0: (laughs) And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Hey,
1: everybody. This is the Opinionated Podcast. I am Danny Nelson. Ben is out this week, but we have Anna with us from Moscow. Uh, Anna, how are you doing?
2: Hey, Danny. Doing relatively well.
1: This week, we thought it would be good to just discuss the situation going on, of course, in Ukraine after the invasion has started. Uh, Anna, you brought someone on for us this week.
2: Yes, we have a very special guest, Rev Miller. He is representing the Unchain Fund. It's a cryptocurrency fundraising effort, kind of a united effort by several blockchain protocols and crypto projects that are from Ukraine or are closely connected to Ukraine that are together raising funds to buy food, medical supplies, you know, maybe some other stuff, both for civilians and for Ukrainian army, but everything except the weapons. It's a really interesting initiative. I want to Rev to talk more about that. But first of all, Rev, thank you so much for joining us. Can you just start saying a few words about yourself? What are you normally doing in your life? And where are you now? What you hear is happening in Ukraine?
3: Hey everyone, uh, thanks for having me. My name is Raf. Uh, in normal life, I'm building a metaverse, uh, 2D pixel metaverse, Atlantis world that's connecting, you know, battery, gaming, social, and education in one super lightweight virtual world. And also part of, of some DAOs, including Metacritical and others, trying to be active in the space and help out, uh, you know, help people with whatever they can. In terms of the Unchained Fund, this is the initiative that started relatively, you know, when, when everything, like, well, all this chaos and crisis started. So there was a group of people that just couldn't stand still, you know, and we decided that we, we should unite our forces and, you know, just gather global crypto communities together to help solve these issues, or at least, you know, just take a lead on helping people.
2: So so IDEA was born before the war, right? It wasn't directly related to the war at the beginning, right? Because you started in the middle of February, I I think.
3: So the thing is, when the war started, before creating something similar, because I had an idea, oh, you know, there should be fundraising, you know, for, for that. And maybe with NFTs or some other creative ways, we also have, you know, with our team experience doing that. So I reached out in one highly influential crypto kind of group. We have, you know, co-founders of Nier, Solana, and other folks in there. And I asked, hey, is everyone doing that? You know, this is like crazy things happening outside. Like, we should not stand still. And i, I seen some people, you know, already kind of gathering together to form a fund. And then I decided to join them instead of doing something separately because this is about all of us uniting. And that's how Unchained started.
2: Right. But before the war started, what was the thinking behind the fund? Like, what was it raising the money for?
3: Oh, yeah. So the thing is, uh, we started fundraising and everything, like all of that, right when the war started. So it Mm -hmm. wasn't just pre-war something. It was like exclusively to help, you know, Ukrainians with humanitarian aid, Ukrainians in need. You know, there was always anticipation that something could happen. And even beyond, you know, saying something can happen, there's already a war happening, right? Like in other regions of Ukraine. So we, we cannot say that you know, everything was peaceful, right? And it's been going on for almost eight years now. And you know, the story of other kind of crazy stuff that's been happening in Ukraine. So I think people were just trying to run this incredible initiative of you know coordination in the web 3 of gathering all of you know people together and utilizing the great power of blockchain of being tamper-proof, resistant, and global. Allowing people to really work with their crypto for what they truly believe in, without having anything that could stop them.
2: So, tell us about the fund, what it is doing now. You raised over one point five million dollars right now, right? What are these funds for? Who are donating? Just, just tell us about the process.
3: Sure. So far, we raised almost two million just in three days, and you know, among our kind of funders are people and projects like you know, New Protocol, Polygon, Sela, Harmony, uh, you know, Gitcoin, Gnosis. There's also some other, you know, groups of people in Dallas, and even other kind of projects that supporting us through their platform, like Giveth, and really appreciate their efforts. In terms of the goal of the fund, and you know, the goal of this fund, they will be fully used for humanitarian aid. As we stated, we are not going to support kind of buying weapons and other similar items. So speaking exclusively that's you know food, shelter, evacuation, transportation cost, all sorts of you know similar things as well as medical help. And when we say about medical help we also stated to our community that this medical help you know will be also allocated to those defending our country because we think that's fair. And in terms of the structure itself right now we have a couple of hundred volunteers. With kind of our core team being around thirty people, you know, we separated into different working groups, starting from you know marketing growth to you know financial kind of auditing, transparency, support system, community management, and also like volunteer coordination, yeah, and and then beyond.
1: And how are you managing to turn the crypto into cash? Like, of course, because these charities, they've of course want everyone's support, but if they get polka dot tokens that's not going to be very helpful for them
3: sure right now we are we're able to accept donations on five different chains we'll add three others today and we have partners in you know, like you know crypto exchanges that will help us with that and those crypto exchanges are actually native in Ukraine so they're highly you know trusted and they're actually in it and even beyond that each of them like for example uh, there's an exchange in Whitebeat, there's also kuna They're also running their own initiative, you know, fundraising through their kind of community. And we're all gathering together to, yeah, to just help, help Ukraine.
2: So how the process will work, you're arranging it all in multi-signature wallets. And I also heard that uh, you're planning to make a DAO to make decisions about where the funds are going.
3: Yeah. So currently we have a multi-signature with highly trusted multi-six uh, in the place for example you know Ilya co-founder near we have Scott co-founder at GitCon. we also have Peter Pan he's really you know involved in the DAO space he's also part of one kx network you know VC fund uh, we have some other kind of trusted folks including in you know Ukrainian blockchain community so the the trust issue is solved right and then we're moving into more so the uh, strategies of fund allocation so how we plan to do that is both you know having the multi signers and community gathering together, um, be it you know community calls or focused calls and discuss you know the overview of strategy because we have two main focuses in here, right? First, we will fund filtered vetted organizations that are also actually you know helping with humanitarian aid. And second thing will be actually helping out highly trusted volunteers. Local volunteers, you know, in Ukraine, in Kiev, in Kharkiv, and other regions where, where the help is needed, funding their initiatives, and we also build a kind of filtering mechanism in place. There is a form where people, you know, add all of their information, what, what they need, you know, what's they funding, what is additional support. There is also kind of quick, uh, in a way, you know, QIC system, so we can actually be sure that we're not funding fraud or something else.
1: And one of the questions that I have when I'm thinking about charities and DAOs is, I guess, is it really necessary to put a DAO structure on top of a charity? Like the, the purpose of something like Unchained Fund, because it's not going to be the end organization, right? Like if I am giving to Unchained, Unchained isn't going to be the organization that is purchasing and distributing the supplies. It is going to be forwarding the money to those organizations that do. And that's fine because someone needs to be that bridge. But why is it necessary to have a, a DAO structure on top of basically the, I guess you could say, feeder organization?
3: Yeah. It all comes to, you know, the power of choice and control in a way, because if you are running it by the community together with the, you know, individual vetted volunteers, you can understand and see you know clearly where those funds go. And you can always double check and The response rate, you know, the speed of response will be much faster. And there is also like realistic part of that, right? We are like, speaking of myself, I grew up in Kharkiv, which is the second largest city in Ukraine, which is also the city that's been bombarded right now. Currently, I'm normally living in Kiev, actually. So, and and I have a lot of friends, you know, volunteers in place because I've been, you know, for the last six years, I've been animal rights activist. So I know a lot of activists in Ukraine and this kind of connections help as well beyond that we do understand that realistically we have you know a couple of hundreds of volunteers with us that's much better to kind of leverage that power that those resources to help more so with actual efforts and funding to specific you know families kids women elder people and those who probably won't get help you know as fast as we can bring to them from those organizations because there is so much things happening and, yeah, we, we decided that, you know, part of the funds will be allocated to this vetted orgs, but most of the funds will be actually allocated together with, you know, this community-run DAO-structured volunteers for specific, you know, needs that could be approved.
2: So part of the team and part of your volunteers are in Ukraine now and part are outside of the country. So what do you hear from people in Ukraine? How are they holding on? Is it possible to work? Is the internet functioning? Are the payment systems on? What's going on on the ground there?
3: Yeah, it it is scary, to say the least. Uh, You know, to wake up one day and instead of just, you know, leaving as always, hearing, you know, all of this army, all of this war kind of sound entering in your country, bombarding, you know, the buildings that are nearby. Or being outside of the country and receiving, you know, call from your relatives saying that this perhaps could be their last day because there's, you know, tanks near to their building, which is true. And i received that call from my own relatives. Uh, it's, it's scary, you know. People are hiding. People are trying to save their lives. There's also a huge amount of people, you know, supporting Ukraine and supporting, like, I would say, freedom and justice because what's happening. And in my view, it's uh, one of the biggest, you know, crime against the. You know the history of humankind in this like 21st century that's happening, especially in such a manner. You know that everything started at 4 a.m. Just like, just think about it, right? Everyone was sleeping. You know, most—I'm sure most of the people in Russia, you know, Russian citizens were sleeping while Russian troops were, you know, bombarding Ukraine. They were just attacking, you know, innocent people. And right now, it's tough. A lot of people, you know, trying to evacuate themselves, and there's also people just staying in the country trying to protect you know and for me those people are curious like like our volunteers right they, they do have an option to be evacuated and they're still de- de- decide to stay there and help others that need, need help and I, I think right now uh like ukrainian people in like ukraine itself shows how strong it is and how it, it's always been
1: what are your thoughts about how the government and i guess specifically the government's social media presence through the ukraine twitter account Has been basically embracing crypto uh, so far as a funding rail for donations. I mean that the Ukrainian crypto account I think is uh, collecting donations for a different purpose than Unchained, but it's still, in my opinion, uh, very amazing to see a government embrace crypto in this environment.
3: Absolutely, Ukraine is incredibly crypto friendly. We are like top five countries by in like by crypto adoption especially in like crypto adoption of the population of, you know, crypto users compared to the population. There's more than 5 million crypto users in Ukraine. And I'm sure there's even more than that. It's just, you know, the the latest uh, as I've seen. And we have just recently, you know, the government has accepted crypto. So it's like fully legal by law. And if you will ever, you know, be in in Kyiv or other cities in crypto, you can, when you'll just walk by, you'll see, you know, different crypto exchange local crypto exchange there are just you know you, you can just swap your uh, fiat to crypto just like you would go to supermarket or shop you know it's it's that easy in Ukraine and people are accepting crypto in different places you know there's also a huge like crypto literacy and this also comes because i would say from the historical perspective Ukrainians and also i'm sure you know Russians they don't trust that much of governments and banks because you know they've seen a lot of losses from that side and they learn to utilize and take the ownership in their, in their hands.
2: I think actually the whole world has been pretty much surprised by what both the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian people turned out to be capable of during these days. The level of coordination, the courage I only can judge by the news and by the videos on social network, but, you know, how people have been able to come together and how the government was immediately responsive to this idea to use crypto, to use whatever means for donations. I think it's just been impressive these days. Uh, I don't know, Danny, if it looks the same way from where you are. Is the rest of the world as impressed as I am?
1: Yes. uh, The Western media has really been talking nonstop about perseverance in Ukraine and just battling through an impossible situation in a way that few commentators would have expected beforehand.
3: It's part of their DNA, part of our DNA, you know, I'm also Ukrainian. And Ukrainians would rather die than quit. It's just that simple. You know, they will never give up their own land, their own sovereignty, their own freedom. And, you know, they never would give up on justice and human rights, because if you give up on that, you know, what's left?
2: That's an excellent point. I hope everything going to be okay with uh, your family, all the people in Ukraine who are now holding on. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's hope that there will be peace soon. The civil society of Ukraine and the crypto community and, uh, you know, the society in, in general will only become stronger and better after all this.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to share that story today. I'm sure we'll win all together because in, in my view, you know, that's not just war happening between, I wouldn't say Russia, you know, I, I love, you know, there's a lot of friends that I have their Russians and I love them. It's not that, you know, people in Ukraine feel like hatred or hate towards them. Absolutely not. They feel, you know, this hate and this kind of, you know, non-understanding of, you know, why this happening, right? But this is a bit more political. I just wanted to say that this is where and that's happening towards, you know, world. And if the world will just keep being silent, then it could happen with everyone.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's bigger than Ukraine. That's what's important to understand. So I guess that's a good point to wrap up, Danny. What do you think? Thank you so much, Rev, for joining us.
1: Yes, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. To Opinionated this week, we will be following the developments in Ukraine as they come, and we wish everyone there to stay safe. Thank you all.
2: Please follow us wherever you get to your podcasts and on Twitter. Let's all hope for peace.
0: See you next week. You've been listening to Opinionated with Anna Badakova, Danny Nelson, and guest Rev Miller. Today's show is produced, announced, and edited by Michelle Mousseau. Our theme song is by Ellison. Have any questions you would like the team to discuss? We would love to hear from you. So reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.